What's going on, everybody? We have a big podcast coming your way, but a few quick announcements before we get there. Ian, we have a giveaway going on. Tell the people how they can enter. What's up, everybody? This week, we are offering one lucky winner a chance at a signed Mitch Marner 16 by 20 picture. Here is how to enter. Like our post on Instagram, follow at From the Stands and at Homes by Steven on Instagram as well, and subscribe to the From the Stands podcast. When you are doing that, send a photo showing that you subscribe to us via DM on Instagram. That will show us that's how you entered. If you want a bonus entry, tag a friend on the post and make sure you follow us on Twitter at From the Stands Pod. The winner will be chosen at random on Wednesday, November 25th and announced on next week's podcast. So be sure to download that, check it out, subscribe. Canada and U.S. entries only. This is all possible because of our sponsors, Stephen Liambus Real Estate. Stephen is a top producing realtor in the greater Toronto area, known for his extensive market knowledge and unmatched devotion to his clients. Whether you are looking to buy, sell, or lease, he is there to help guide you through every step of the way. Be sure to check him out at Homes by Stephen on Instagram or online at homesbystephen.ca. Ian, big podcast. We got Walder. We got Colville. Let's get to it. Another big podcast, and of course, another big guest. Ian, we're joined. Who are we joined by? Welcome back to the show, Chris Walder. Man, third time's a charm. Thank you for coming back and chatting to us. There's too much big NBA news. We had to bring you back. What's up, my man? Thanks for joining us. Doing good, gentlemen. Thanks for having me back. Third time is definitely the charm. I'm surprised you brought me back a second time, to be honest, but uh, (laughs) I must be doing something right. You are, you are. And we just, we love talking basketball and we're going to get to basketball, but the biggest news, you're engaged. Congratulations. I am engaged. Thank you so much. Uh, Yeah, I'm really excited. Uh, My girlfriend and I, uh, now fiance, I suppose I have to remember to keep calling her my fiance. Chris, just go with wife. Just, you're not jinxing it. This isn't, you know, like with kids, just, yeah, there you go. Just go right there. I'm telling you. I just got She's my, she'll be my uh, soon to be wife, hopefully. That's right. And uh, yeah, I mean, we're just already arranging uh, our wedding. Hopefully we can do it next December. We're already looking at like destinations in uh, Disney World because it's a place that means a whole lot to us. But of course, with the pandemic that kind of remains in flux, but mm-hmm. hopefully we can seal the deal then. But yeah, thank you guys so much. I'm really excited and I'm very happy. Wait, Disney World, is that the one where they had the bubble? Uh, yes. Okay. Yes, All right. So there. even more special meaning for basketball fans out there. And we have a lot of basketball to cover, Chris, but before we get to some trade grades, because there's been a lot, we want to ask you about the Toronto Raptors because it's been quiet, which if you follow anyone of consequence on Twitter, you know, is because that's the way that they want it. With that being said, there was a draft last night. They did draft two smaller guards who trend as shifty, hardworking, really good defense, and can create their own shot. It sounds like someone we know. I'm not sure. Now, you've said you're not a draft guy. That's Mm -hmm. not kind of who you are. You you rely, as we do, on a lot of very, very talented people who do this for a living, and it's it's part of what they do. I want to ask you about the philosophy. Are you buying into a trend that this philosophy that the Raptors used for draft night 
is le- is leaning towards Fred Van Vliet leaving? Not necessarily. I mean, I understand the paranoia, par- paranoia of Toronto Raptors fans. It just kind of comes hand in foot with the fan base over time. You see something like this and you're like, man, this must be a clear indication that Fred Van Vliet's probably going to go. I don't see it like that. I've always kind of felt in my heart of hearts that Van Vliet was going to stick around because the alternatives were go to two kind of franchises in flux right now, trying to find an identity in like a Detroit Pistons or a New York Knicks. And it depends on if they offer more money Then Van Vliet's obviously going to consider it. But I think the, the culture that he's established here in Toronto and just the experience that he's had kind of coming up from the ground floor and working his way into a situation where he can make like potentially max money. I think that adds up to him just kind of sticking around, but then you see these draft picks that the Raptors made last night and it kind of, paints the picture of, okay, what's going on with the point guard position? Are they expecting to lose him? I don't see it like that. I just think that the Raptors went with two talented players that they can kind of incorporate into their foundation, good good character individuals, and you know whether they kind of send them down to the G League or whatnot remains to be seen if they ultimately become rotation pieces. You can never have too many facilitators, too many playmakers, and I just think that's the Raptors' philosophy at this point. I'm not reading into it at all. It's it's just it, it fits their mold of what they're looking for, which is winners. They're looking for people who battle, play defense, understand defensive rotations, defensive schemes, and can shoot the basketball. But uh, Ian, I want to throw to you here because you called me probably five times, all times laughing your head off and a few times with some obscenities because of how excited you were. I Did you cut the draft report for... Uh, I want to call him Makai Richardson, but that, that's not who he is. Makai Flynn. Uh, and I, I called him cross between Makai Richardson and Johnny Flynn just to piss off Ian. But Ian, do you have the report on our friend, Mr. Flynn? Yeah. So uh, Blake did a pretty big, Blake Murphy uh, of the athletic did a really good deep dive on this. Obviously. I mean, Blake's amazing. So if you aren't looking at his stuff, when it comes to the Raptors change that immediately, um, there's a lot of good things about this. And I think for anyone out there who's freaking out about Van Vliet, don't. I see this more as a Terrence Davis replacement than anything. I see this as a way, look, th- these are guys that can score the basketball. These are guys that can be creative within your offense. As, as Chris is saying, they're facilitators. You know, they are hard-nosed, hardworking guys. That's just Raptors DNA. I mean, I think, you know, Malachi is probably on their board, even if, you know, ever even if Van Vliet was signed and Terrence Davis wouldn't have allegedly pulled that shit. So, you know, to me, I wouldn't look at it that way. But in terms of his, in terms of what Malachi brings, I found this to be super helpful. And this comes right from Blake. Um, he's a very good pick and roll player, probably one of the best in the entire class. He has good vision, craft, and passing. And while his size could limit some of this finishing effectiveness, He shot 68.2% at the rim this past season. Overall, he ranked as 96 percentiles of pick-and-roll ball handler. He's creative utilizing angles and anticipating defense's response. On the other side, Flynn is a high-impact defender with terrific steal rate, toughness, and good instincts as a team defender. Opponents tended to size him up thinking they had an advantage only to go nowhere against him. Sound familiar? And yes, it sounds familiar. It sounds like the two guards we already have and to ha- we have a team identity. That's a good thing. We don't, you don't just want to be listless yeah. in the wind. Like, you know, let's say Orlando, 
where you don't really know what the direction of the franchise is. And I think this is something that Masai and Bobby and everyone on that staff has decided that we want smart, competitive as hell players that can do multiple things. And that's what they went for. Don't panic, right? They, you know, the Raptors don't leak shit. So they're not going to leak any of this stuff. This is good news for Raptor fans. Yeah, yeah, they're and, undersized point guards. It's not like it's bit them in the butt already when you've correct. won so much with Kyle Lowry and Fred Van Vliet. And then you remember that, you know, Kyle Lowry is kind of ending, entering the twilight of his career. Mm-hmm. You know, as played, you kind of have to groom the next point guard. If Van Vliet's going to step in eventually and be in that number one spot, who's going to back him up? And you can at least say Malachi Flynn, outside of like a free agency acquisition or what have you, is someone that you can kind of, you know, build two, three, four years down the road who can step into yeah. a much larger role. Well, and I think too, you know, what's the other thing that those two, that the two guards that we have, have in spades, and that is high IQ. This is also in Blake's article. Flynn is a high IQ winner who ticks nearly every box you're looking for when you're trying to determine who will outperform their measurements and draft position. I mean, this guy is hitting every box for, for what the Raptors look for. This is great news. And I think, you know, we saw with Terrence Davis last year, there wasn't a ton of expectation, but came in and cracked the rotation right away. Now, is Flynn going to crack the rotation right away? We don't know yet, but he's he's going to have every opportunity to do so. And I think, you know, that's why he's so happy to be here. Not only do we fit the style of play he wants to play, but he has a shot to contribute real minutes here, like 20 minutes plus here. Well, and And San Diego Diego State's been good to us, right, Chris? They've been good to us. Just keep feeding us talent at this point, eh? <laughs> <laughs> well, let's get here before we get to some draft, to, to not some draft grades, to some trade grades. Free agency opens up tomorrow. We had this beautiful message from Serge Ibaka floating around on Twitter today. Hits Raptor fans right in the feels. Obviously, a little bit of sweating. We don't really know what the, this, you know, the, the rotation is going to look like. But obviously, the goal is to re-sign Serge Ibaka, re-sign Fred Van Vliet. Ideally, Serge on a shorter deal to leave us open for some flexibility as we head into the 2021 offseason. Chris, I'm not asking for predictions. How are you feeling going into tomorrow? Well, first off, tell Serge Ibaka to unblock me on Twitter because if he sent a video <laughs> message, I have no idea what you're talking about. I didn't see the damn thing. I so, noticed that. That was that thing going around, like the weirdest people that, that blocked yeah. you and Serge was your guy. The only I looked back at, at my Twitter history and I noticed that the only thing that I ever said negative about him was that I was potentially like packaging him in a deal for Jimmy Butler. So either he was offended by the fact that I was like, get rid of this guy to upgrade for Jimmy Butler, or he's like, wait, is this stuff true? Up it, yeah, he you blocked me on Twitter. Yeah, <laughs> I don't get it, man. You didn't chirp his scarves. You didn't chirp the art. Look, he, he's a good looking guy. He has a great wardrobe. I would pay all the money in the world to look like this guy i've never insulted him before maybe there's like some disgruntled tweet that i had many many eons ago that i don't remember or can't find but i'm a serge Ibaka stan like i I don't understand it but it's his twitter account he could do what he wants well you're Uh, not you're not alone my wife would pay a lot for me to look like serge Ibaka too okay she drops lines about it all the time but my future wife yeah (laughs) but but let's how are you feeling 
I'm not I'm not too worried about free agency. Like everything that I kind of expect to happen, I I project to happen. Like the Fred Van Vliet situation, I'd be kind of shocked at this point if he did leave. Uh, I think the Knicks are kind of prioritizing other players. You kind of hear Correct. through the grapevine that Gordon Hayward's on their yeah. radar. And uh, if that's the case, then that would pretty much eliminate them from the Van Vliet sweepstakes. I guess Detroit's also in play, but I just don't see Van Vliet leaving a situation like the Raptors to go play for the Pistons. Just wouldn't add up to me. Abaka, I'm a little bit stressed out. I think a lot of teams out mm-hmm. there need kind of everything that he provides, like just a big man who can stretch the floor and defend. And, and someone's going to want to offer him more than one year, which it seems like Toronto won't. Someone's going to want to offer yeah. him that. I, th- I think Abaka genuinely likes being a part of the Toronto Raptors and being in Toronto, obviously the circumstances are different, you know, whether the Raptors are going to even be in Toronto at this point and how long this pandemic's going to last, what the world's going to be looking like in another year from now. I think the Raptors are going to do everything in their power to kind of keep him at like, you know, give him maybe a two, three year deal where get him at like a discount. But I see teams out there kind of maneuvering already. Maybe a team like the Lakers gets in the sweepstakes for Serge Ibaka. I don't know for him. And yeah. then Marcus Gasol, obviously, we don't know if he's going to head to Spain. Maybe he wants to join a team with a better shot at winning a championship. I kind of see him leaving anyway, so mm-hmm. it doesn't matter where he ends up at this point. But Van Vliet was always like the number one, two, three priority this offseason. So as long as he sticks around, I'm not sweating a bullet. And of course, I have a champion, like we talked about before we recorded, I have a fake championship ring here at my desk that kind of reminds me not to take things too seriously. It's not fake. It's, not all, fake. It's, real. It's, re, it's real in our hearts. That's all that matters. If push comes to shove, I could just relive, relive that uh, championship on, on YouTube. Sure. So I, I'm doing good, guys. I'm doing good. Honestly, the uh, what was it, 26 to two run uh, against Milwaukee in game was it game six? That is an all timer. Mm-hmm. I'll throw that on at any time. Ian, is there enough CBD in the world to prepare you for tomorrow? <laughs> uh no, you know what? I feel pretty good too. I think the priority remains. And look, the Knicks are taking themselves out of the running, I think, you know, with prioritizing Gordon Hayward. And that's okay. I think, you know, I think for them, they're sort of stuck with Dennis Smith and, you know, not Nidalekina, but they're kind of stuck with the backcourt they have. It's not very good, but they're sort of stuck with it based on the contract situations there. Um, so prioritizing a wing, I think, just makes sense for them. And for someone like Hayward, I mean, you, you gamble that he that he sorts it out and gets back on track. Now, to Van Vliet, again, as Chris said, and Chris is a thousand percent right, not, not that we're surprised that he's right, but there's only so many suitors out there. And I think he, he Fred is going to get the whole bag, whatever that number is. I, I think I think the Raptors are going to be comfortable with just about any number that comes 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 Fred's way. Um, for Abaka, the move has always been a one-year balloon payment and then see where you are in 21-22, see what the what the landscape looks like, and then you talk long long term. Now, again, you know, people can say all this stuff about, oh, they'll give Abaka long term, but there's not a ton of cap space out there. So if I was Abaka, it does make a ton of sense for me to take the one-year balloon payment and then get in next year where there's more long-term money. So I'm not worried. I think we see both back. I think that a little bit of a hairier situation is the back end of the rotation. I don't know. They already let Malcolm Miller go. I don't know what's going to happen with Chris Boucher, but we'll see. I I mean, Raptor fans had no reason to feel nervous. Look at who's running the franchise. We're all good. We're all good. And we can't, you know what, for years we couldn't say that. But but here's the thing though, and I promise we'll move on. <laughs> if Van Vliet, if if Van Vliet and Abaka for whatever reason, even if they both go, even if Gasol goes, are, are any of us going to feel less confident in the direction of the franchise with those guys running it? Of course not. 
Of course not. We're going to sit there and be like, there was a reason for that. So everyone just needs to breathe. I understand that it's, it's high stress, but breathe. We're in a good spot. Yeah. You know, my gut, my gut just keeps telling me that Serge is back and Fred is gone. Uh, and, and yet the logic dictates otherwise, the logic dictates that it should be the, the reverse. Uh, I kind of, I envision them both staying and, you know, uh, the balloon, the balloon contract makes a lot of sense. Get into the next off season, have a good year. He's coming up, but again, he's coming off his best season probably ever, maybe since yeah, he, was he was young in Oklahoma city. So, yeah, he was great. you know, it, maybe he's looking at it like, no, I am going to cash in right now, but yeah, they, they did qualify um, O'Shea Brissett. They did qualify Chris Boucher. So they are at RFAs. They are under their control. So a little bit of depth there, but you know what? Yeah. We're not getting into Terrence Davis again, but you know, that one, that one hurts on multiple levels, but let's see get, you, bro. Yeah. See you, man. Let's get to the meat of this podcast. There were a lot of trades and we have decided that we're going to grade them. And we have, obviously, we're on a bit of a time limit, so we're going to get to as many as we can. We have packed the front with the top two so that we can get (sighs) your thoughts. So here we go. Ian, I'm throwing to you first because it was the first major trade, and it was one that friend of of the program, Zach Wilson, called on this show or said that he would like to see. Ian, you also had it when we had our... uh, our, our fantasy trades or predictions uh, heading made too much sense and made too, made too much, much sense. sense. It is Chris Paul and Abdul Nader to the Phoenix Suns for Kelly Oubre, Ricky Rubio, Ty Jerome, Jalen Leck, and a 2022 first round pick going to Oklahoma City. Now, coincidentally, Rubio is no longer there. He's gone to Minnesota with the, tw- the 25th and the 28th pick last night for the 17th pick last night. And now Ubre's gone. Ubre is now in Golden State. We just I, don't I, know what for. We don't know what for. So really, it was you know to get off the money and get that first round pick. So Ian, I'm throwing you first. Grades for Oklahoma City. Grades for the Phoenix Suns. I, I think for Phoenix, you're in the mid B's area. I think. I think you know. Obviously, if you're a Suns fan, you got to feel good about this. Chris Paul is a Hall of Fame level player, and he helps your team immediately. And that, that team's goal needs to be make the playoffs. This is an immediate upgrade over Rubio. Ubre, you know, Mikhail Bridges makes Ubre redundant and unnecessary. So you didn't really give up a whole lot. I think that 2022 first can be a bit tricky later on, but we'll see. Um, he pairs perfectly with Booker. But I, the thing that means makes this not an A for me, and it has nothing to do with Chris Paul or the money. I don't give a shit about that. It's that Sarver being cheap sort of came up again. They had an opportunity here to wait to say to Oklahoma City, we are good with this trade. We have $17 million in cap space. Maybe we'll chase Danilo Gallinari. Maybe we'll chase, uh, I don't think he's a great fit, but Serge Ibaka or chase whomever. On or, the open market. Or retain Aaron Baines, something like that. Or whoever, right? And use that cap space and then use the money swap to make the Paul deal. Instead, they absorb Paul into their cap space and limit that. So I think Sarver obviously made that call. It's like, hey, I'll bring on Chris Paul, but I'm not doing any of that extra cap space stuff. That sort of bums me out. For OKC, I mean, it's hard to say this is anything but an, an A. You know, they turned Westbrook into Chris Paul and a million picks. And then they turned Chris Paul into two more picks with the Rubio, with the Rubio deal, another first probably for Ubre, two prospects, and then another first. So uh, Sam Presti's reaching GOAT level status with this, with the shit that he's pulling, you know, and, and this is all after he turned Serge Ibaka 
into Oladipo, into Paul George, into SGA and all those picks. So Presti's reaching GOAT level. I like it for both, but OKC, this is a coup. All right, Chris, what are your grades? Uh, I'm giving the Phoenix Suns an A. I think this is an easy A for Phoenix. I think this is a move they desperately had to make. It's kind of just one of those things where you have to show Devin Booker that you're committed to making this into a you know, a championship contender, not just kind of squeaking into the playoffs and, and making some noise in the first, second round. Like this is kind of like, it, and, and of course, Chris Paul isn't going to make them a title contender overnight, but it's at least kind of a good start. It, it's the, it's the best point guard he's ever had. You know, Phoenix kind of has this reputation for just getting these like all time point guards. I mean, you go back in their history, look at some of the names that have run the point for this team, but you know, it's going to be great for a guy like DeAndre Ayton, you know, working the pick and roll with Chris Paul, I think is great going to point. make him an even better player than he already is. He's already like a 20 and 10 guy, but you have a, a guy with the veteran leadership, the presence that Chris Paul has. This is just money across the board for Phoenix. I see them kind of competing in that four to six spot in the Western conference. I'd, I'd be surprised if they were any less as far as Oklahoma city goes, I kind of give them a B plus, you know, teetering on the brink of, a it's disappointing because i was a fan of the run they had last year with chris ball and 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 shea gilders alexander like making some noise in the postseason but look they got they have assets coming out of the wazoo at this point they have draft picks for days they could do whatever they want at this point obviously this is a rebuild for them seeing the kind of starting from scratch just going all in with sga and seeing what they can do with these draft picks so good on sam presti he seems to know what he's doing clearly and uh, we'll see what comes of it yeah so Obviously, when we when I did this research for this podcast, I'm sure you guys as well, Uber hadn't moved yet. Yeah. So for me, I had this as an A for Oklahoma City. And that is pending. I'm pending that because because they've moved Uber. I need to see what they're getting back. I'm a bigger Uber fan than most. I think that he is very productive. And I think that he fits the the typical the prototypical mold of what you want out of a two slash three in the NBA right now. He can create his own shot. He's a good spot up shooter. Is he the best defensively? No, but he's athletic. He can move. And, and so getting it's that annoying first because pick, he should be, he really should be yes. a good defensive player. Yeah. But you know, you, again, you turn Ricky Rubio plus late picks into a yeah. mid mid first round pick. To me, it's an a for Oklahoma city pending the Ubre, the Ubre part that to me, I think can bump them down closer to the B plus that, that Chris Walder had. Now, to me, this is an A- minus for Phoenix. And it all comes down to this for me. We see too many times where you have young talent in the NBA that get used to losing. We see it in Minnesota. We see it in Sacramento. We see it in Philly. You need someone around those players. We see it in all sports. Hockey as well, right? With the Toronto Maple Leafs and, and anything else. You get used to losing. That is a bad thing to have seep into your dna and by bringing chris paul in is he going to get you to the conference finals no history tells you no he went once obviously got hurt they lost game six and seven against the warriors with that said the one thing he does do is win regular season games and to chris's point to your points ian he is going to be a great fit beside devin booker he's going to be a great fit for deandre ayton he is going to bring you may get sick of chris paul after a couple of seasons, but just like Jose Mourinho, just like Mike Keenan, he's going to bring the most out of you, especially early on. And that's exactly what this franchise needs. So it's an a minus for me because of the money. I don't love that because it's in Phoenix to your point, Ian, it's not like they're run, you know, they're run. No, by I was annoyed. I was basically. annoyed. They didn't use the cap space part, but that's no, sorry. exactly. That's and, 
And so to me, you know, this is as fair a deal as you're going to find. And as, as, a, as fair a deal in the sense that both teams got what they're looking for. The next deal, not as much, at least in my and opinion. By the way, one last thing on Phoenix. Sure. The reason why the Sarver thing makes me mad is because you look, you look at what's going on up the road and what's going on in Golden State, and Lacob is willing to spend whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. And it's not in a frivolous, you know, George Steinbrunner, James Dolan way. It is a calculated thing that he does, but he is willing to spend whatever it takes because he knows if you own a franchise, that's the whole point. So that's the part that made me mad. So now we can move on. I just had to get that in there. Well, let's move on. And Chris, we're throwing to you here. Sure. Drew Holiday was traded from the New Orleans Pelicans to the Milwaukee Bucks. Sorry, man, you guys lost game six to the Raptors. Two of the Milwaukee Bucks, four Eric Bledsoe, George Hill, three future first-round picks, and two pick swaps. Chris, what are your grades for this this trade? I, you smell that? It, it, it smells of desperation on the part of the <laughs> sure Milwaukee Bucks. Does. Because they gave up a lot for Drew Holiday. And I'm, I'm a Drew Holiday fan, like one of the elite defenders at his position in the league. And when the playoffs come, this guy turns it up tenfold. But at the same time, that's quite a haul for Drew Holiday. And at this point, it's just kind of basically a giant PowerPoint presentation for Giannis Antetokounmpo. Like, look at what we're doing. We're trying to keep you here in Milwaukee on the long term. Please sign the Supermax. Look at what we're willing to give up to get a talent like Drew Holiday, which will hopefully get us over the hump, get us to the finals, ultimately win a championship. I don't know if they're at that point yet, because there was another trade that didn't go through that kind of threw things off kilter a bit. That's right. But this was this was a deal that the Bucks certainly had to make. The only thing that bothers me, that's why I'm giving it just a B. And that's not a testament to Drew Holiday. This is just what the Bucs had to give up. Like I, Eric Bledsoe, Drew Holiday is an obvious upgrade from that. George Hill is kind of a nice piece off the bench. A good, solid three-point shooter. There's a lot of picks in this trade. I don't see why Milwaukee had to give up that much. But if if it brings in Drew Holiday and this gets them to the NBA Finals, it'll all be worth it. But for right now, I'm just kind of like, eh. It was, it was quite a big package for a guy that I don't think gets you over the hump just yet. Maybe they have some more moves in mind. We'll see what comes from that. For the Pelicans, this was a, this was a great move for them. Uh, Eric Bledsoe is not going to be taking any time away from Lonzo Ball. I think he's like their go-to guy at the point guard. You know, Eric Bledsoe gives you maybe 15, 20 points. Obviously, Raptors fans know how uh, frustrating it could be to watch him because he, mm-hmm. he's very, very inconsistent. I can only imagine what it was like for Milwaukee. But I give this an A for New Orleans. I think they got a lot for a guy that was prob- they probably needed to get rid of at this point. I really want to go. But I know, Ian... I know it's killing you inside. You need to go. And if I take some of your points, it's going to be a thing. So, little brother, go ahead. I'm muting my microphone. Chris, he's probably going to be about 10 minutes here. <laughs> no, 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 no. Okay, so so let me ask you guys something. Mm-hmm. Because the Bogdan deal didn't go through, how much better are the Milwaukee Bucks today than they were on Sunday? I know the answer. Chris, you can go ahead. Uh, well, like I said, Holiday's an upgrade over Bledsoe, but mm-hmm. now that now you have a bunch of guys who are probably like, what the hell, you were like this close from trading me, and now we're stuck here because the stupid deal didn't go through. So maybe the some guys on the bench aren't feeling themselves right now. That remains to be seen. But Milwaukee, they're better, but they're not exceedingly better than they were. 
They were, the, already, I mean, the best, they were already one of the best teams in the association, right? The, the answer True. is true. Your answer is marginal. And to, to counter that, Chris, they don't have any bench players anymore. They're all gone. They're, yeah, they're gone. Lopez is gone. Robin's Ilya gone. Ilya Silva. They, and George Ilya Hill, Silva, you can't they, ignore yeah. here. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I think that part matters. I mean, look, I, I'm not saying – look, part of the reason I think that you get rid of some of these guys so Budenholzer can't play them – in playoff games when he's playing 10 men, when he should be playing seven. A la Kyle Dubas when he did right. it to Mike Babcock. Traded all his favorite toys when so he wouldn't play them. Yes. But, but I think for you still need seven guys. And obviously for agency hasn't started yet. They're going to get some dudes on the minimum, but mm-hmm. they, they have no flexibility now. So so the roster is, is um, Holiday, Middleton, Giannis, Lopez, DiVincenzo, DJ Wilson, I, I'm sorry. I mean, Giannis is going to make them amazing, but that is not a championship team. That's barely a second round team. So I love Drew Holiday. Analytically, he's the best guard in the league defensively. I don't know that I buy it all the way there, but he's fantastic. He's a great fit next to Middleton and Giannis. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know how they felt the rest of the roster now. And this Bogdanovich thing is an absolute shit show. They, as you said, as Chris Walder so eloquently tweeted, they the Bucks bucked themselves, and they have they backed themselves in, <laughs> into a little bit of a corner. And for the Pelicans, like you know, this is a haul, and I think I, I kind of like that they. We can't underestimate how good George Hill is, and I think he's a great veteran for that room. Um, Holiday's a great guy by by all accounts, but they just sort of switch places. And George Hill's just a good player, a good bench guy. Bledsoe's going to push Lonzo. We'll see how that all goes. I just like it. And I, I honestly think I love Drew Holiday. This team is marginally better. It is a C. It is a C for the Bucks, And I think it's an A for the Pelicans. So this is the easiest answer. Without, with, with Bogdanovich in the deal, it's a C plus. Agreed. With Bogdanovich in the deal, it's a C plus. He's not in the deal. And now there's tampering coming forward. Yeah, because nice. because you can't agree to a deal when Bogdan does not agree to sign the contract. And then now they're cutting Ilya Sova. The entire league is going crazy about this. Mm-hmm. But Bogdan's not in the deal. This is an F for the Milwaukee Bucks. This is an F. Is their crunch time five better now than it was last year? Yes. Chris, mm-hmm. what, what does Mike Budenholzer not do traditionally with his superstars? Play them heavy minutes in games that matter. <laughs> exactly. So what evidence? That's do we a fireable offense. That is a fireable offense. What evidence do we have that because he has now this shiny new piece who is, he's better than Eric Bledsoe. He is. Mm-hmm. And with Ian made a great point today with Eric Bledsoe, he's not gone because of his regular season production. His regular season production is actually re- pretty good. Mm-hmm. He's yeah. gone because he was dog shit terrible in the playoffs two years in a row. Yeah. Two years in a row. Couldn't make a shot. His defense lacked. And he was, it was too bright for him. This is what bothers me the most. You know, now again, full transparency, they may come out, they may be sitting there in their, you know, Eiffel Tower in Milwaukee, in Wisconsin, saying that they have all the answers to what I'm going to say. But you know, you're going to get shit on. You just gave up a haul for a top, for what should be a top 10 player. And he's what? Tenth best point guard in the he year? hasn't made an all star game in nearly a decade with that yes. kind of matters. Ser- with serious health issues and he's an expiring contract. So you do this deal, 
okay? And you do not ex- you do not announce an extension for Drew Holiday, which when you do five first round picks, basically, yeah, you normally would announce an extension. You don't do that, okay? Well, maybe he has one. You don't announce a supermax for Giannis because you don't have one. Mm-hmm. So there's that, and it's it's just it's crazy to me. This is an A plus for the Pelicans. This is an absolute Easily, yeah. A plus, absolute yeah. A plus, especially. <laughs> I mean, could you imagine this? There's no way this is true, but could you imagine that Giannis is sitting at home like, yes, I got Drew and Bogdan. Bogdan doesn't go through and he goes, mm, maybe I'll see how the year plays out. If Giannis gets hurt on this team, that's a lottery pick. If Giannis leaves, you've given up your entire future. It is ridiculous to me. This is, you're not getting Anthony Davis. You're not getting Kawhi Leonard. I love Drew Holiday. This is Clevelandy. It's Clevelandy what they it's, did with when they had LeBron. When, yeah. when they have LeBron, yes. Yeah, it's Cleveland. Gotta get Dwayne Wade. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Dwayne Wade. Um, Going to get Jordan Jameson, Larry, oh, yes. Drew Gooden. Yes. It's just, it's to me, this is ridiculous. And again, it may all come out. Drew Holiday may have an extension. Giannis may have an extension. And then all of us have to shut up. Because just like with the Paul George trade last year, you did that because you're getting Kawhi Leonard. Mm-hmm. This may be that if you keep Giannis on a supermax, those picks are less relevant because you're picking in the mid to late twenties. But you could, you still could lose Drew and Giannis out of this. This is crazy to me. Um, it's it's also a, it's an A plus for the Miami Heat and the Toronto Raptors teams that are in the Giannis sweepstakes. Yes, this only question. hurts Milwaukee. Without question. Uh, and again, we could all be wrong here, guys. Like this could come out, and Drew and Giannis could be perfect beside each other. But I just don't love that that Drew. He doesn't get to the rim, so he's not creating his own shot. He's, it's just, it's, he's not the best point guard. I just, and where would you rank a, a team like Milwaukee now in the East? Because we're looking at like a team like the Sixers that are like making hardcore moves right Ooh, now I love to like elevate themselves in the, in the standings. Brooklyn is getting Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, possibly James Harden. The Raptors are still there. The Miami Heat just went to the NBA Finals. They did. Brooklyn before was heads and tails above everyone else. Now they're just kind of like in the mix. And that's not where they want to be because they haven't proven, at least in the postseason, that they can like get to where they need to be. And well, Drew Holiday does make them better, but when it counts, it remains to be seen. And that's right. And and I was about to say that in the regular season, they're probably still the favorite, but in the playoffs, I think that their, their chances have diminished. But I actually think it actually may be the opposite because we've seen as Raptor fans with the DeMar DeRozan Raptors when they're the second best team in the East because of their overwhelming depth. The Bucs don't have that anymore. They just uh, I got, break, I got yeah, breaking, breaking news, news. here. <laughs> you do too? Go ahead, Chris. Uh, Golden State Warriors are finalizing a trade to acquire Kelly Oubre for a 2021 protected first round pick. Sources tell Woj. So my my deal now, I'd keep so, it at a minus B plus ish area. I love this for Golden State. Me too. Mm-hmm. I love this for Golden State. Now it is get, does get a little dicey because now the only asset they really have is that Wiggins contract. If you count that an asset, and that Minnesota pick they got in the Russell, it is Wiggins unquestionably swap. not an asset. <laughs> so what's Wiggins? No, but <laughs> right, but you need that big salary, right? You're gonna need that big yeah, salary. You go big, yep. big fish hunting. I don't know that that guy's out there. Obviously, Ubre's not going to replace Clay. I think Ubre easily slides into their rotation, maybe even as a starter, as the guy they need. I like it. And for Oklahoma City, honestly, just make it rain draft picks. Like, 
you know those you know those yeah you know those money guns that you see that like guys bring to like they'll bring to like strip clubs or clubs and they throw money around that's exactly what sam Presti should do at the draft with his picks because we're gonna get to the board and he's gonna have all it's like scrooge mcduck diving into the coins but they're only yes draft picks. yes <laughs> well you mentioned philly so let's get to philly mm-hmm. oh they had a good day mr al horford has been traded the untradeable contract of, of untradeable contracts has been traded to Oklahoma City. Well, why not? Along with a 2025 first round pick and a 34th pick in last night's draft for NBA champion Danny Green and Terrence Ferguson. Chris, what are your grades for Philly and Oklahoma City? Uh, Philly, I can't believe they got out from that contract. Uh, good on them. I know they had to package some picks to get out from Al Horford, but at the same time, I'm going to give them a B plus. Uh, I know Lakers fans would probably disagree with me because it's Danny green and Lord knows he missed his fair share of shots uh, in the NBA finals this year, but Danny green's a three and D guy. And that's what Philly can really use right now next to like Ben Simmons. And, you know, he's not like as proficient a shooter as like JJ Redick was in that spot, but man, that guy could play some heavy minutes. He's not a scrub by any stretch. And I think that people are that are kind of riding Danny green off into the sunset are going to be surprised to see what he can contribute to this Philadelphia 76ers team. I think this is a great move for them. Al Horford, Al Horford is long gone. It kind of depressed me to see some of the tweets that uh, Anna Horford was Anna sending Horford, out some yeah. of the comments Terrible. that uh, Philly fans were sending her. Uh, that's kind of disgraceful. No excuse for that, but Danny Green's going to do a lot of good in Philly. So I'm happy for them again, Oklahoma city, Again, this is just kind of asset management at this point. I don't even know what kind of grade you can even give them. It's just like keep bringing in the draft picks. Al Horford, they're obviously not going to move him, but he's a good culture guy. Like he, he's not done. He, he can still give you, you know, 10 and 10, I guess. But, uh, you know, again, Scrooge McDuck with the draft picks. I just, it's, it's amazing the assets that Oklahoma City has right now. But again, Philly, this, this is a great move for them. And of course, they've made other moves as well. Chris, if Danny Green is waived, are you opening your arms? For for him to come back to Toronto? Yep. Yeah, sure. Why not? He won a championship <laughs> here. Why not? We could hey, you know what? We could use a Terrence Davis replacement at this point. I and don't it makes Norman be a date. Makes makes trading Norman Powell a little bit easier if you do want to bring in a, a better asset. Ian, let's go to you, buddy. What do you got for grades? I actually like this for both. And the one thing I will say on the Horford side with Oklahoma City is that Chris Paul's out. Chris Paul's a great veteran, clearly to have around those young guys. Shay. Lou Dort, all those guys really flourished with Chris Paul being there. Al Horford is a really great veteran. And he's a great guy for young players to be around. And I, I think to bring a guy like that in, obviously they, they they got paid to take the contract, but he is going to have, he's going to have value there. And I think, A, this gives him a chance to rebuild his value, specifically if they trade Steven Adams, which I think if you read the tea leaves, that is likely. Yeah, it has to If be. they trade Steven Adams... They may be able to flip him again for a heavily protected first down the line. Maybe when that contract is a little less daunting. The other thing about Horford is that let's not forget they had interests there a long time ago when Durant was in his free agency year. He basically had a deal with Oklahoma City to go there. What was it? The 2016? Is that when the cap spike was? Yep. So he had a deal to go there. And then obviously when Durant left, it all fell apart. So this is Presti and Horford. This is not a new thing. You know, and, and I think on the Philly side, you know, Ferguson is probably a fringe rotation player at this point. Danny Green will jump right in that rotation. you got two rotation players for one of the worst contracts in the league, and I never want to hear that their contracts 
unmovable because it's just every contract. Can Hold be on, is clearly not. Is, is Tobias Harris movable? He's movable, but it'll be ugly. Yeah, okay. he's movable, but it'll be ugly. So, and look, Philly got off this really bad contract, and they gave up a 2025 first, which could sting, but it's so far away that right now, as a contender, a pseudo contender, you're not worried. A second rounder, a good second rounder last night, and then um, you know some overseas prospect. So for, for Philly, I mean, you really didn't give up all that much. How the hell did Maury get rotation players out of Al Horford? It's unbelievable. Like, Presti and I can only imagine what that negotiation was like. Just two geniuses. And I have to say, what Maury's doing for Philadelphia right now, Philly fans, they suck. But, man, they should be really thrilled with where they are. I, I'm not even going to expand. I have a B-plus for Philly and a B-minus for Oklahoma City. The 2025 pick is interesting because it's far enough down the the line that you have no idea what it's going to be. You haven't got a clue, which I think is good. And with Oklahoma City, with all the picks that they have, all those those picks look juicy until you actually draft players. And then it doesn't look as good. So I hope that they are going to start using those to build around what is a nice young point guard in Shea Gilders-Alexander. So to me, it's a B-plus for Philly. To Ian, to your point, they get two rotation players. They get shooting. They get, you know, athleticism in Terrence Ferguson. Just people that aren't Al Horford. That's what they got. So, to me, I think that that, that, that makes sense. And uh, and I think that this really spells that Joel Embiid is not going anywhere. And if there is a Harden move coming, I think it's for Mr. Simmons. Uh, for me, B-minus for Oklahoma City. So, Ian, let's do one more. And I'll let you pick it. Because we had a couple here. But... This is your baby. What's the last trade that we're going to throw to our friend, Mr. Walder? So I love the Shamit deal um, just because I think Luke Kennard is bad. And I think it's hilarious that the Clippers gave up a better player to bring in Luke Kennard for some reason. And also I think that the Pistons had a really good day yesterday. Um, But as much as I'd like to take this time to shit on the Clippers, I think I'm going to pivot and go back to Philly. I really like the Josh Richardson and the 36 pick to Dallas for Seth Curry. I think for both sides, I I, I like trades that work for both sides. Clearly for Philly. um, So let's go with that one. Let's go with that one. I'm just coming right out the gate. Clearly for Philly, the priority is shooting. And they missed J.J. Redick last year so bad. And you could tell because guys just weren't guarding Simmons and Embiid and they had no one to punish them for it. Um, This saves Philly some money, which could come in later if they are going to move for someone like Harden. And... Again, they don't really need that defensive type that Richardson is. They have Thibault. They don't need Richardson. So save a little money, get something you desperately need on a better contract. You're not paying Richardson anyway. Bonus. And then for Dallas on the flip side, they really need a defensive wing to pair with to pair with Luca. You see what you have in Richardson, and it keeps everything good to go if they want to chase Giannis in a year. I love this for both sides. Chris, what do you think? I'm generous with my grades today. I'm just A's for everybody. Just yeah. around the house A's for everyone. No, I mean, you, you said it best, man. Like Seth Curry is a specialist. He fits seamlessly into the 76ers rotation. Like just imagine a lineup, Ben Simmons, Danny Green, Curry, Tobias Harris, Joel Embiid, you know, clears out the lane for Ben Simmons to do his thing. Obviously he's not going to be a shooter anytime soon. You surround right. him. It's kind of like the LeBron James mechanism that they did with Cleveland was just clear out, get everyone out of the way. Just put shooters around the perimeter and let him do his thing. And that's what they're going to try and do with Ben Simmons here. 
So Seth Curry is a specialist. He's one of the most efficient three-point shooters in the league. He's not his brother, but who needs to be at this point? And obviously there's the connection there with Doc Rivers. So that helps as well. Josh Richardson, another three and D guy for Dallas. I like the fit with Luka Doncic. Yeah, this is a great trade for everybody. No complaints. And I just want to say one thing before we go to Sean. The the best part about Curry is that if you watch that series against the Clippers, he may have been Dallas's third best player. And in games when KP didn't play, he may have been their second. second that's player. what I was going to say. You second, know, th- yeah. this is not somebody who shies away from the moment. This is not somebody who's just Steph Curry's brother or Doc Rivers's son-in-law. This is someone that can flat out hoop and can flat out shoot the hell out of the basketball. I love this. I love these trades, these trades that are, you know, good for both sides on the surface. So Sean, what do you think? Am I the only one who still thinks Josh Richardson is good? Because he is good. He didn't look it. He definitely didn't look it last year. But can you blame him on that dumpster fire of a team? Like, yeah, I love this for Dallas. I gave I gave it a B plus. Um, I love this for Dallas because to to your point, this is a low risk. This is a low risk ask. It's just, hey, can you come in here and hit threes and play defense for us, please? Yeah. Oh, you can. Great. Well, and what we're getting rid of is an early second round pick and a dude that we know. Yes. He can create his own shot. He can run. He can run an offense. We know that, but he can't defend anybody. He he can read incoming passes. He's good at reading passing lanes and getting in the way for his size. But I just like I like length. I like I like wings. This is 2020, guys. I like. Well, I think the thing with Richardson too is that he does fit in because on four or five threes a game, he shoots like 34%. So it's not, you know, for Dallas, your team loves to, loves to let it fly. He's not killing you. He can still hang. And I think that's important. And to, to both of your points, I think that as we said, this is trades on both sides. I gave it a B, a B minus for Philly. And I think, I just think that this is one of those deals that everyone gets what they want. Philly gets a 40% three point shooter who can handle the ball and spell Ben Simmons when he's out of the game. And I think that Dallas gets, a better all-around defensive player with some size to play beside Luca, and I think that if that's what you're getting, then that's great, and that's and that's what we want. So that's it for trade grades, and we have a few quick. We normally do quick hitters, Chris, but we have three questions for you, and we're gonna get we're gonna get all get involved in some of them. Sure, but we have three questions for you. The first one: Do you know how much money Chris Middleton is set to make next year? Off the top, I do not. How much? Ian? No, no, no. How much are you going to make in 22-23 is what we talked about today. Sorry. Yes. It's probably a depressing amount. Well, throw a number out out, because I did. Throw a number out, Chris. 25, 26? 40.3. He's making 40? (laughs) I I need to get his agent. Jesus Christ. Yeah, the Bucks, the Bucks aren't in trouble at all. Uh <laughs> I like I also I like Chris Middleton, but he's not worth it. I love Chris Middleton. Yeah, 20 sorry, 2023-2024. He has a player option. I have a feeling he's picking that shit up. 40.396 million dollars. Get your money, Chris. Get it. Here's here's the next one and we're going to go around the horn on it. What is the most fun James Harden destination? Hmm. Ugh. Philly. It should be Philly. 
I, I don't want to see him on Brooklyn. I'm so tired of these, like the one team that stands out above everybody and is like, well, it's inevitable. They're probably going to win the championship. Like it just feels like the Golden State Warriors again, where they're so loaded. Although a James Harden, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant threesome isn't going to stop anybody. So there's going to be a lot of 160 to 157 games on their uh, regular yes. season schedule. But uh, I, I wouldn't, maybe I would want to see them on Brooklyn just to see if that would implode on them. And maybe it would just be a disaster from start to finish. But, uh, yeah, I think he would be great on Philly. Uh, I, it would cost them Ben Simmons, unfortunately. And I'd, I'd like to keep Ben Simmons and Embiid together mm-hmm. now that you've made the roster moves that you have. But I think James Harden on Philly would be awesome to watch. Uh, I just want him 100 feet away from Brooklyn at all times. I don't pull that trigger. This is hard. Uh, I, I'm not a fan of James's game. I'm not a fan with how everything's been handled in Houston. And I think a lot of the problems that are arising in Houston, the reason people aren't happy is a large part due to their new dipshit owner. But on the other hand, um, partly Harden's doing and how they've catered to him and all that sort of stuff. And it's gone poorly because that's what happens. Uh, to me, the most fun James Harden destination um, is New Orleans. And I don't think he, there's, you know, now we asked most fun, not one that I think is going to happen. Right. So yeah. New Orleans, I think would be fun. Um, you know, they do have the assets to put together quite the package. And that's the thing we don't talk about with Brooklyn, that trade package we're putting together of Karis Levert and Spencer Dinwiddie. I don't like Harden, but he's objectively one of the seven best guys in the league. Karis Levert and a bunch of shitty picks is not going to get it done. <laughs> not enough, yeah. So, you know, if, if New Orleans, you know, if, if things hit, you know, a, a, a package around Brandon Ingram and, you know, and, and Lonzo and whatever is at least intriguing. I mean, shit, they just got that for Anthony Davis. So New Orleans to me would be fun. It's never going to happen. But watching Stan Van Gundy watch James Harden play defense would be must-see TV. That would be hilarious if the Pelicans just gave up the package that <laughs> they acquired for Anthony Davis to get James Harden. Yeah, I Part great. of me wishes that would happen. Speak that yeah. into existence. I have I two. It. I have two. I love to see the world burn. So my world burn destination for James Harden is, is, um, is the LA Clippers. That's my world burn destination. They give up Paul George and it's just like a one for one. Like, here you go. I don't know. They had to figure it out. They don't have any picks, but here you go. You can have Paul George. James Harden goes back. The most fun to me is Oklahoma city. They have all these picks for a reason. They could still be pick positive at the end of it. Get Steven Adams contract in there, make some things happen, bring James Harden back to Oklahoma city and let him ruin Shea Gilders Alexander's career. So the third oh, question no, no, that no, no. I guys are going hard keep, with the destination, yeah. New Orleans. Yeah. Keep Clark. SGA, keep negative <laughs> SGA talk out of your mouth. I love SGA. I don't want him to, I don't want him to be ruined by, by James Harden, but it is the case. The last one, and this is going to be bad for podcast listeners, but I'm going to do it anyway. So I was going to do it after the podcast, but screw it. So my son is now, you know, he's over three years old. He turned three at the end of August. So I'm trying to get him into Pokemon. And it's been a bit of a grind, but it's working. So we'll go to Toys R Us probably once a month. That kills an hour. They play around. And I found these things, which is basically Pokeballs with cards inside of them you get three packs inside of them and i've got both my kids now all in and then i'll grab one for myself because i'm a sick human being chris walder what pokeball is that 
is that like the new gen stuff? Because I don't recognize that at all. That's not a great ball. That's not an ultra that an ball. Ultra ball? A master ball. Ma- ultra ball was yellow and black, I think. It I'm was. such a nerd for knowing this shit. But I it's thought not an ultra ball. It's You're a, du- it's a dusk ball. I'm sorry. You guys a have dust lost. Ball. You guys have lost the game. A dusk ball. It, it helps you catch Pokemon at night easier than when it than during the day. I'm sorry, you guys get out of here. You guys this didn't is... win Jeopardy, but a safari ball or something that would have been my yes good call i was pissed i got a three pack and i let my two kids choose and one was just a regular pokeball one was an ultra ball obviously they both went for the two that i wanted but (laughs) here we go i'm stuck with a dust ball but chris this was great as always we really appreciate it buddy thank you so much for coming on and uh we're i'm praying for you and ian for tomorrow (laughs) <laughs> well thank you guys for having me man i always appreciate uh you guys inviting me on the podcast trade gates trade grades for you guys a plus is all around this is a hell of a show and i'm honored to be a part of it love it thanks buddy well ian we just finished up with friend of the show chris walder but we're back again for week 11 picks and this time we brought another friend of the show to help us with that who's with us Welcome back to the show, Ryan Coville coming in. Had to hit us with his fantasy gems earlier in the season. Coming back for some week 11 picks. Ryan, thanks for coming on, brother. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited. Are you? Tell your I face. Am. I'm very excited. <laughs> hey, I. Well, we, we got six. Re- go, no, yeah. go ahead. What do you got? What do you I'm, got? I'm ready to talk Bengals. That's, uh, that's where I want to start. I, They're you know, number one on the list. <laughs> it's number one on the list. And, and you know what? I. I picked the, the games this week because I, I'm like, oh, the best games this week are these, 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 and these. But we've talked about them so much already. Like a lot of the, the Ravens, the Steelers, the Patriots, like we talked about them all. So I wanted to mix in a little bit of trash. Speaking of trash, the Cincinnati Bengals are visiting the Washington football team. The Washington football team is favored by one point. The over-under is 46 and a half. Coach Colville, who are you picking? Um, I'm going Bengals. I mean, to me, the Bengals have played well enough to be better than they are. I think they're two, two, and one outside the division, zero and four in the division. Um, in tough division, yeah, it's a very tough division, and it's a long term. It's going to be good for them, but they got to start str- stringing together some wins here. And I think it's got to start here. I think they got the Giants coming up. Um, Washington's beatable. If you look at the teams that. Um, Bengals struggle against it's against pass rush teams Washington does have a good pass rush but they're not really a heavy blitz team and the blitz is kind of what gives Burrow issues when he plays so um and then I think that you know the wide receivers can get open against Washington's pass pass so I think you know to me the Bengals um should win this game I think that you know them being the underdog makes them more enticing and you know Washington Alex Smith, he's been okay. Too many turnovers, um, you know. And I think it's it's going to be close, but I think it's I think the Bengals are going to take this one. I think you make a great point about the pass rush and, and how that's going to affect Burrow. Because again, I think you're right; they have a good pass rush, but they're not a heavy blitzing team. But that front four is really good. It's one of the it's one of the better ones in the league, and they're so young. I mean. Man, Ryan Kerrigan's barely even playing, and he's still a really good football player. So, you know, it'll be interesting. You mentioned the receivers get open. It looks like T. Higgins has an illness. Not sure what his status is going to be. So you're going to see, you know, a lot of Tyler Boyd, a lot of Auden Tate. Yes, Free Auden Tate. Free yes, Auden Tate. Yes, <laughs> Auden Tate is a, is a head of A.J. Green. 
Uh, I just think I think just Auden Tate's just a better football player right now than AJ Green. Look, the thing I'm most excited to see is Chase Young versus Joe Burrow. And to me, those uh, other than what Justin Jefferson's doing, uh, those are the two best rookies we got going right now. And over Herbert, yeah. I, I personally, I think what Bur- I think what Herbert's doing is more impressive. The guy I'd rather have is Burrow. So oh, yes, 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 yes. So you know, to watch those two is going to be something special. I, it, Chase Young's been by far the best rookie defensive player. I'm not even sure it's close. Um, I'm waiting to see what Mixon's status is going to be. It is trending in the wrong direction. I mean, Geo's been fine, but I don't, you know, I, I don't really love that. And look, Alex Smith's story is great. He is not. His play is not. Um, Burrow's better in every way, and I think Cincinnati pulls through. I think the fact that it's basically a pick'em. I got Cincinnati in this one, and this is a lock. Wow, a lock. Well, you guys mentioned the pass rush. You guys mentioned the blitz. That's way too deep for me. What I do know is Washington. De- Washington's defense is objectively good. They're yeah. seventh. They're seventh in the NFL in defense. Their offense not so good. And now, is the Bengals' defense the second coming of the Steel Curtain? No, of course not. They're terrible too, but. Ryan, you made a great point about being 2-2-1 two, two, and one outside the division. The division is very, very good. You know, the, the Browns are, are feisty, but, you know, the, the Ravens and the Steelers are good. Ravens kill bad teams and have literally killed my wallet as well. But I'm also taking the Bengals, and I'm taking them because of Joe Burrow. And even though this is a good defense, a very good defense, I just – he looks forward to these games. And you, I just, I can kind of put myself into his mindset as if like, I'm going to play my ass off against the Ravens, but I'm probably not going to win. But he's probably sitting at home right now, looking at the Washington football team going, I can beat that team. We can win this game. Joel Mixon hurts, but I also have the Bengals. It's not a lock for me, but it is the Bengals. Sticking in the NFC, AFC North, we're going to go with the Philadelphia Eagles are at the AFC North's Cleveland Browns. The Cleveland Browns are favored by three and a half over the Eagles. Who would have thought that coming into the season over under is 47 and a half. Ian, who do you got? I'm freaking out. They're icing Kyler's shoulder right now. So I'm having, a, I'm having a little bit of a moment. Um, this is another one. I mean, I think these picks this week are are super interesting. If I were actually betting, this game is a complete stay away. Cleveland has some COVID concerns with actual impact players. Jack Conklin, Cody Parkey, those are, you know, players that they need. Um, some kicker love. And, <laughs> and, and look, I, I don't know. Oh, there's so much kicker love on this podcast. I love kickers. Um, you just love Justin this? Tucker. Love Harrison Bucker. No, there's tons of kickers I love. I mean, Zane Gonzalez is booting the hell out of it right now. Not important. What's left to say about Philly, though? I mean, the Eagles are just, they're terrible. They are objectively awful. It is getting to the point where firing Doug Peterson is not just a hot take. It may just be like the correct take. And someone needs to put this lifeless mess to sleep. The Giants should win that division. Everyone else just go home. Um but this whole thing needs an overhaul. And this Carson Wentz thing is getting worse by the day. I mean, he's gone from, oh, it's just a tough year to, is he bad now? Like, it's really tough to watch. And, and we can't say it's the weapon's fault anymore. Miles Sanders is back. Alshon Jeffrey's back. You know, what, you know, Dallas oh, Goddard's they're, back. They've been like, back for like a minute, though. Doesn't matter. 
Doesn't matter. This is inexcusable play from someone that you consider a franchise quarterback. If you're picking the Browns, you're betting on Miles Garrett having a massive, massive game and that Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt is the best duo run away from it. If you're picking the Eagles, you're betting on a far less tangible thing that relies on the Eagles waking up from their slumber. If I'm going to bet on one of those things, I'm going to bet on the group that's Miles Garrett, Nick Chubb, and Kareem Hunt. I got Cleveland and I got the under. Go ahead, Ryan. Who do you got? Yeah, I got the same thing. I got Cleveland in the under. I think this is going to be a super close game. Um, to me, Cleveland obviously is a running team. Philadelphia should be able to stop the run. They haven't really done it consistently this year. If Philadelphia stops the run or at least slows down the run, and if they uh, can get their offense going early, then I think they got a shot. Um, but I think you know, this Cleveland pass rush is going to be way too much for the Eagles offensive line, Carson Wentz. It's just going to be overwhelming. Um, but I, I mean, Cleveland just doesn't score a lot. So I think it's going to be a close game. And I think it's going to come down to run games and defense. And can I, Cleveland's can I ask got you the something, best Ryan? of both. Yep. Can I ask you something, Ryan? And Sean, you can chime in too. Thanks, It man. is your podcast after all. Yeah, thank you. Um, we can all agree that Aaron Donald is the best defensive lineman in football. Is that correct? Yeah. yeah. Is the second best defensive lineman in football, Miles Garrett? I think so. Uh, he's definitely in the conversation for sure. I mean, I think he's the best defensive end, and I'm not sure it's close. Oh, well, Danelli Hunter is a beast too. But that's sort of where we are with Miles Garrett. Am I wrong on that, Ryan? No, no, I agree. And they got, I mean, and they got a whole lot more there, right? They got Sheldon, Sheldon Richardson. Olivier Vernon, when he, you know, they, they they got a pass rush there, and that's the Eagles this year can't, you know, they got a lot of issues on the offensive line. They've moved guys in and out, and they can't block, and Carson Wentz can't handle the rush. So, you know, to me, that's that's what's going to end up deciding this game. And obviously, if if the Eagles can somehow slow down Cleveland's rushing game and make Baker throw it, then I think I think the Eagles have a chance. I do think the Eagles will keep it close regardless, but I do have Cleveland covering. Yeah, but is Baker Mayfield the best quarterback in the NFL? He's the best quarterback in this game. <laughs> He's the worst that quarterback is, in this division. <laughs> that is difficult. That is tough. Um, Baker is obje- – he he just is. He is the best quarterback in this game. Philly fucking sucks. They suck. They're, They're terrible. terrible. I'm done betting with them. I'm They're done. terrible. They stink. <laughs> I don't like the extra half point. But – no, don't do I'm it. Not, I'm not overthinking it. Philly never covers. They do not cover. They will win football games, but they don't cover. If they're a dog, you take the favorite. I'm taking the Browns. Let's move on. The Packers are in Indianapolis, taking on the Ursays, the Indianapolis Colts. The Colts are favored by one and a half. The over/under is fifty-one and a half. Ryan, who are you taking here? I mean, I'll be honest. I'm, I'm kind of surprised the Colts are favored. Why are and they I, favored? That's why I'm yeah, freaking out. I have no what idea. What are they doing? I, now their defense me, is fantastic. The, their defense is awesome, and, and but the problem is, is they're they're very inconsistent. Their offense is very inconsistent. Green Bay, Indy's defense is good enough to slow down Green Bay a little bit, but Green Bay won't move the ball. So, can Indy's O keep up? Keep it up? Can they not turn the ball over? And the thing with the Colts, I mean, they look good at times, but they're inconsistent against the good teams. I mean, they, they look bad sometimes, and then last week they looked good against the Titans. 
to me, Green Bay is going to cover, or, or sorry, Green Bay is going to win the game outright. Um, you know, if the, the problem is, is that I think to beat Green Bay, you got to run it up the gut, right? Just like Dalvin Cook did. And I don't really see a running back on Indy right now that can do that consistently. So, well, that's you know, think, that's my point. What, you the, what, the, hell, what the hell is wrong with Jonathan Taylor? Other than the fact that he's bad, like I said he was going to be. What the hell is wrong with him? I He looks good at times. Like he, he trucks some guys, but then he gets a lot of just stopped at the lines. So, I don't know. Inconsistent, you know, give him time, I guess. But uh, it doesn't look good so One far. One thing, though, he's running behind a really good line. Like there's that's kind my of no point. Excuse. That's my yeah. point. And you're you're making Naheem Hines look <laughs> like Barry Sanders out there, and yet you can't get four yards. I, I just I don't get it. Um well I mean like like to me Hines is probably their best player on offense. Well, you know, outside of some of their offensive linemen, he's their best skill player on offense. I mean, he does a lot of things and he does things. He's not like your prototypical running back up the middle guy, but he, as a jack of all trades, he's he's probably the most dangerous player. This is simple. I'm net. I, I feel like we're all going Packers here. I'm never taking Philip Rivers over Aaron Rodgers ever. Ever. I, I don't care ever. But the now, to be fair, the Packers are weird. They're weird. They're like, weird. I feel like they should be better. You know, and I know Devontae's missed some time. I know Aaron Jones has missed some time. I know their defense is just okay. And Jair Alexander's missed some time. I just, I, they're weird. But this is ridiculous. This is ridiculous. One and a half to the Colts. It, it, this should have been, this line should have been two and a half to the Packers, and they should have made you take the Colts. Now, what worries me is everyone's going to be on the Packers and the Colts sneak in there and take this one, but I'm I'm going to lean Packers. I'm taking Packers as well. I'm taking the they Packers can. as well. Yeah, because their defense is good enough. With yeah. Darius Leonard in the lineup, they are good enough to do this. Yeah, if they don't turn the ball over and if they play the right way in offense, they have a shot. But, but I, they I are going to turn the ball over because it's Phillip fucking Rivers, <laughs> and I'm taking Green Bay Packers. Ian, you're taking the Packers? Here's the thing to, to – Here's the thing to understand. The Colts defense is lauded as one of the best in the NFL. And I think they've played really well this year, but I think it is worth noting that they have played some of the worst quarterbacks, Joe Burrow, Matt Stafford. I love Joe Burrow. Neither of those guys are top six quarterbacks. They have not played a top six quarterback all year. So what is the league's most efficient passer going to do against them? I mean, the guy to watch Darius Leonard is, Oh, he's unbelievable. The guy to watch in this game is going to be DeForest Buckner. I think so. You know, he's not putting up the statistics that you'd expect for the $21 million a year that he's getting, but he is in the backfield constantly. So he's going to be the guy you got to watch, um, Buckner out of Oregon. Now, Packers are getting healthy. Kevin King should be back. Alan Lazard looks like he's going to be back. The one to monitor is what's going on with Devontae Adams' ankle. Uh, that came out today that I think he missed practice, so I don't know how all that's going to look, but... You know, when's the last time that Rodgers had a healthy complement of weapons? Aaron Jones, Devontae Adams, Al Lazard, Robert Tunyon, even Jamal Williams. When's the last time they had oh, all those guys? Uh, hold on, hold on. Marcus Valdez-Scantling has been very good. Yeah, he has Give been. Him but, that. But, Give him that. But again, but Alan Lazard is a far more consistent player. So 
to me, when's the last time they had all those guys back together? I, I can't think of the time. So the fact they're getting healthy, it only bodes well for the Packers. Now, look, everyone's going to hammer the Packers and maybe the line shifts. Who knows? But I got Green Bay in this one and the over. It's not a lock, but it's close. All right. I have a bad feeling. I feel like we're all going to go the same picks here. But I'm going to go first. We got the Dolphins at the Broncos. The Broncos are favored, by, or sorry, the Broncos are getting three and a half points. The over-under is 45. All right, Dolphins fans. I'm here. I'm here to apologize. I have bet against you for three weeks in a row. I have said don't do it, that they're overrated, that the, it, this is not a real thing. I've turned a corner. I'm sorry, Dolphins fans. I'm sorry to Tua. I'm taking the Dolphins uh, and the three and a half. I know it's in mile high. But I'm taking the Dolphins. So I'm giving you two both an opportunity to change your pick if you want to. Because now that I've turned the corner on the Dolphins, this is a guaranteed loss. They are losing outright to the Broncos. But I, in order for it to happen, I have to pick the Dolphins, which I am Ryan. Oh, no way. <laughs> I'm taking the Dolphins. They're, Dolphins are playing way too well. Denver can't score. I, Drew Locke may or may not play, which I don't really think matters because – He's no better. He's, he's really not that much better than anybody behind him. But, you know, Denver can't score. Miami's D is heating up. I don't think this will be particularly close. I think they're, they'll win. And maybe it'll be an under just because Denver can't score. But, you know, I don't think this will be a close game. There is a lot of love out there for the Dolphins, and deservedly so. I think the thing that makes me nervous is that how is a team that hasn't been relevant for the past – two decades going to handle something like this. This is what um, I tried last week. I tried the look, same logic this is last sim- week. But this is simple. Drew Locke is bad. He's very questionable as it is. What are we talking about? Miami's defense, Those you're not going to see any better than those two corners that they have going right now. And Emmanuel Agba has been unbelievable. And I feel bad for Broncos fans because they are ruining – Noah Fant and Jerry Judy with this Drew Locke stuff. And I feel bad for those running backs because they're just getting freaking killed. And this is Miami. It is a lock and it is under. It doesn't even need analysis. Miami is playing better. They have the better defense. They have the better quarterback. Just so you know. What does Denver do better? What does Denver do better than Miami does? Play defense. That's it. No, Miami is everything. a far better defense than Denver. <laughs> they do everything better than Denver. They do everything better. So no, why is Den- this well, not Denver's eight? defense is ranked 11th, and the Dolphins is 13th. Well, uh, yeah, yes, I but, mean, the, the, but what are we doing the last five weeks? Up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Miami's uh, defense. And, and Miami uh, turns ball. Can I just over. be devil's advocate? Just let me be devil's advocate, please. <laughs> no, Denver doesn't do one thing better. I would argue that maybe Brandon McManus is a better kicker than Jason Sanders, but, like, it's really close what else do they do better? They don't do anything better. This line should be six or seven. Miami lock. Well, we want to talk about locks. Kansas City Chiefs are visiting the Las Vegas Raiders. The Raiders are getting seven points as of this morning. Have to imagine that uh, that line is climbing. The over-under is 50, 56 and a half. Come on, Ryan. Wait, I got a question. Why do the Chiefs play in the – by the way, Metcalf just scored – why do the Chiefs play in the same division as Vegas? They're not even close. But it was Oakland before. That's no, why. no, no. It doesn't matter. Missouri. 
No, I know. I, yeah, no. Right. The Colorado, Colorado. Geographically, in, is it close Kansas, geographically? Kansas I don't know City the states well enough. Kansas City and Denver are really close. Right, really close. So then they threw oh, in, they, right. threw, they threw in the Oakland Chargers kind of dynamic. So those two are close. These two are close. We'll throw it in. Oh Ryan, God, who are you taking? I'm taking Kansas City to win, but I they will not cover. Wow. I would, I, I would put my money on Vegas. Listen, I mean, I like Vegas. I think maybe they're a little bit overrated. Um, I don't think their defense is really that good, but their offense can move the ball. They run the ball really well. Um, both teams have some O-line issues of dealing with COVID. I don't know how that's going to go. I honestly don't. I'm not even sure if they've taken the game off the board right now or if they will. Um, I will also take take the over because last time these two teams played, it was like 70 points. And I think they'll do it again. Um, you know, but what Vegas did really well last game was they got after Mahomes. They got they disrupt Mahomes a lot. I think they can do that again. But end of the day, I think Kansas City fixes what happened last time. Andy Reid's historically really, really good after bye weeks. So eighteen and three. Yeah. So you know, I think uh, I'm taking Kansas City to win, but I don't think they'll beat them by seven. I think it'll be closer than that. This is the lock of the century. Of the century. Kansas City's beating them by 40. This isn't even going to be close. They were embarrassed in their home stadium by Derek fucking Carr. This is the lock of the century. You will see Chad Henney in this game. That is how bad this is. They are going to kill the Las Vegas Raiders. I... and. And that's coming from someone who appreciates what the Raiders are doing. I like what their offense is doing. I, I, I do have a tendency to give it to Derek Carr, check down Carr. But he's been, he's been very good. I love their offensive line. I, I really like Josh Jacobs. Even Ruggs has been decent. They made Nelson Aguilar relevant. Like that in and of itself is an absolute feat. Like they made him hella relevant. Hell of it. This is the lock of the century. I'm putting my actual money on this game. I love teasers. I do. But this is just a straight line for me. I'm taking this as soon as we get off this podcast. This is absolutely the lock of the century. So we're we're split on this one. Oh, I'm really happy. But (laughs) this is a lock. I got two questions, and that's going to dictate how you bet. The first question is, which of the Raiders defensive players are going to play because of COVID issues. So which ones are going to play, which ones aren't? The second question is, will the Chiefs want payback for the Raiders beating their ass at Arrowhead last month? If the answers to those questions is one, a lot, and two, yes, then you have your answer. The Chiefs are the best team going. Mahomes is coming off a bye. As we mentioned, Andy Reid's killer off the bye. And they could be playing backups. Right, like I think it's Lamarcus Joyner and Cleveland Farrell were the two that I saw, but apparently there's others. You never know who's in Abram. close contact. Say it again, Abram. Abram. That, so you have one in every level. That's not good. So to me, you know, a team that really can't lose guys in the secondary as it is, even though they take a freaking corner in the first round every year, they're like the new Bengals. Chiefs over lock. Lock of the century. Let's get to the last one, Ian. The Rams are visiting 
Tampa Bay. Tampa is favored by four points. The over-under is 48 and a half. Come on, Ian. Who do you got on Monday night? Oh, by the way, there is no line on the Chiefs Raiders game on the betting sites because, because of, of the COVID. COVID. Yeah. But I did because of the COVID. <laughs> but I did pull it from the score. So that, that line obviously is subject to change because who knows? This could be 11. I, like I said, they're winning by 40. It doesn't matter. I'm taking it no matter what it is. Ian, who are you taking in the Rams Tampa game? So this game is is kind of hurting my feelings a bit. Um, I want to lean Rams because I love how consistent they've been. I love how the pieces are starting to come together. And if you follow what's going on with the Rams, Ryan and I talked about this this week. What Jalen Ramsey did to DK Metcalf last week belongs in a museum. Metcalf is, you know, one of the hottest receivers going. He's traditionally hard to deal with because of his size and his speed combo. And Jalen Ramsey just like ate his lunch. It was unbelievable to watch. He just completely took him out of the game. And you have Aaron Donald in the middle who who didn't register a statistical tackle, sack, tackle for loss, anything last week, but he still finds a way to make an impact. That's right. That, I was going to make that point. When, he, when he, did, Donald, he did nothing in fantasy, but in the real game, he made yeah, it. Yeah. When Donald... When Donald is going to be coming after Brady, that is not going to be something that that Brady's going to handle all that well. But, 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 and add into that, the Bucks are 0 three in primetime games. Here's the reason I can't ride with Tampa. Jared Goff is terrible. He is terrible. And when he's even, he is quite literally the worst quarterback in the league versus pressure. What does Tampa Bay do better than almost anyone? They take those two linebackers and they fling them out of slingshots and send them at the quarterback. That's Levante David and Devin White. Those two dudes are going to be flying all over the place. I don't like this game. I would likely stay away if I was betting. I'm leaning Bucks over. Uh, I'm going to disagree. I'm taking Ooh. Rams. I think the Rams will not only. Um, I think they'll. I think they're going to win this game outright. And okay. I think what me worries why. me, what worries me is Whitworth. And, and like you said, Tampa likes to send blitzes. No Whitworth makes yeah, me bad. nervous because, you know, he's kind of the savvy vet, obviously blocks really well. Um, and he kind of, you know, he's kind of the leader of that offensive line, but I have not seen Tampa beat a good defense yet. And the Rams might be the best defense in the NFL, right? Chicago. Rams, Tampa couldn't beat Chicago's defense. New Orleans twice. New Orleans really good defense. Tampa couldn't beat New Orleans defense. So hey, can I, I can I beat- pause you there? So yeah. can I pause you? So that you you think the Rams are the best defense in the league? Show your work. The Ram- I, I I said yeah they might be the best defense in the league. No no they so got, what do you feel that they, way? They got the the best corner, the best lockdown corner. They got the best defensive lineman. They're really good at tackling. All right, Taylor, no Taylor Rapp. Taylor Rapp's actually played really well lately. Um, but, you know, they they got guys who wrap up and they tackle really well. And they, I don't know what they're ranked right now. I think they're top five. But to me, to me, they're as good a defense as there is in the league right now. And like I said, I haven't seen Tampa, Tampa's offense beat a good defense yet. Maybe that'll be this week. I don't know. But I'm, I'm going to take the Rams. I think it'll be low scoring, so I'm going to take the under. 
But if uh, you're McVay, who does Jalen cover? I don't. I, you'd almost just put him on a side. Can you I let think- me talk? <laughs> you're just taking my points right out of me. Go ahead, Ryan. Answer the question. I mean, maybe you just let him take a side. You don't. You just. I mean, out of the three of them, maybe Godwin is maybe the one I'd focus on. But you just stick Ramsey on a side. Whoever's there, he she locks him down. All right. I purposely didn't pick this game. I had a feeling that we were all going to be in lockstep, and then you threw the Las Vegas Raiders, the lock of the century to to not cover as, as the pick. I am. Uh, I'm going to take the Bucks, and the reason I'm taking the Bucks is simple. Yes, the Rams have beaten the 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 Bears. Yes, the Rams have beaten the Washington football team without Chase Young. But if I'm going to trust a quarterback to get it done against a good defense, I damn sure am not picking Jared freaking Goff. I'm not. Even though he's done it twice, and to your point, Brady hasn't beaten a good defense. But Jalen Ramsey can't cover everyone. And it's only four. If it was six, if it was seven, that's a different story but I'm going to take the bucks here. And, uh, and that's it for picks. That's it for picks. Ryan, thank you so much for coming on, buddy. How's everything going out in red deer? What's going on? Oh, it's cold, cold and snowy. So cold and snowy. Oh yeah. Lots of, lots of snow. (laughs) So winter's officially here. Well, hopefully they allow body checking in your leagues out there, but that has been another edition of the from the stands podcast. Ryan, thank you for coming on. Thank you again to Chris Walder for coming on. Ian, please sign everyone off. Thanks again to everyone for listening. It was a blast as always. Thank you, Chris Walder. Thank you to Mr. Ryan Koba for joining us. It was a freaking blast as always. Guys, it's getting messy out there. Everyone make sure you mask up. Stay safe. We love you.